Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 1? And uh, we're going to take a look at verse 35. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. We're talking about expectation this morning. We're talking about how expectation is proven by preparation. Are you alive today? Expectation is proven by preparation. When you're expecting, you prepare. Right? Now we got Thanksgiving coming up. Let's get preparing. Right? Are you ready for this? What you prepare for is what you're expecting. And expectation is the price for birthing what you carry to full term. Every promise of God comes into your life, not with a stork. Listen to me. You know how this works, right? Come on, adults. You don't know how it works. Okay, we're in trouble. Stork didn't show up. A baby was born inside and you carried it to full term. And you expected and you began to realign your life in such a way as to prepare yourself for what you didn't see fully at first, but began to grow. And then when it was manifested in your life, you were ready for what you prepared yourself for. Listen, I want to remind you, I've said this before, write this down. You can sweat in preparation or bleed in battle. If you have an issue with preparation, you're going to bleed. You're going to get sore. There's a fight coming to your life because every time God blesses us with something, and sends it to our life, there's warfare. Do, do you understand you do have an enemy? You're, oh man, we got a long way to go. The devil doesn't like you. He, he's not playing with kid gloves. He's not, he didn't, you know, you woke up this morning, and, and, and the first thing he said was get him. And if there's any kind of a blessing in your life, he is out to destroy and kill and rob you of it that's warfare if you have a problem listen if you have a problem with warfare you're going to get robbed and stolen from things are going to be taken from your life that were meant for you from god but but you didn't fight to keep them and god wants you to have these things in your life so you got to be willing to you got to be willing to prepare say prepare now, now I want to show you what preparation looks like. Uh, I got a little picture here of a, of a young man, probably the biggest stud in our church right now. Uh, yeah, he's, he's on the way. There he is. How about that guy? Woo! Come on, give him a hand. You, you look up preparation in the dictionary, and it's, a, it's Caleb's face. Now, now for, for, for some of you, you, you don't maybe know what's going on here. That's, that's, is that an eight point? Eight point? A seven. Okay, well, that's pastors. We always run the numbers up. Right? That's an eight-point buck. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Man, that's cool. How many of you know that he had to prepare for that? He had to dress appropriately. He had to get his, he had to get his weapon ready. And I, from what I understand, he, what, what did he use? A crossbow. I mean, man, straight out of gothic. I mean, this is awesome. He was a dragon slayer, man. Boy's a killer. He had to get, they've even got special, I don't know if you did this, brother, but they've even got special kind of soap that you, 
you washed up with, so you, you didn't go that far. Okay. And, and, and you know, you've got to prepare in the way you smell. You've got to prepare in the way you act and where, where you place yourself. Where, where, are these, uh, where are these deer, where are they, where are they rutting and strutting? You've got to be ready. If, if you want to land a buck, you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. All kinds of believers, all kinds of believers are blessed. But not every, not every one of them see their blessing. Because they weren't in the appropriate place. They weren't prepared. They weren't lined up. Let, let me put it to you another way. Before we get into this a little bit, let me put it to you another way, okay? Most people that I pastor over the years, that I've seen over the years, are sitting on the shore waiting for their ship to come in. And they're wondering why it hasn't come in yet. And what I want to teach you is that that's the wrong way of thinking. I want to teach you to not wait on the shore for the ship. I want, you, I want you to learn how to swim out to your ship. In fact, I want you to learn how to build one. Come on, Noah. I, I want you to get into the, the idea that if I'll do now what I'd be forced to do, you heard me say this a year ago, what I'd be forced to do later when the blessing comes, I'll be ready for the blessing. But I have to do it now. I love, I, I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith. What kind of faith do we need? Now, faith. Not later, faith. Used to be these little kid, uh, candies when I was a kid. Now and laters? Come on. Faith works in both places, but now comes first. You with me? Let, 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 let's get into this this morning. You like these little guys up here? They're making me nervous because I'm afraid they're going to fall off or something. And by the way, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wanted to do something. How many of you got a potato this morning? Did you get a potato this morning? Hold it up high. Will you come on? Hold it up high. All right, I'm going to take a picture of this church, man. All right, I want everybody to say, Pastor Glenn, this spud's for you. Oh, we're certifiably crazy. That's good. That's a great picture right there. I get you saved. Get you saved. Luke chapter 1. Let's take a look at this here. Verse 35. The angel is speaking to Mary. His name is Gabriel. Gabriel means the power of God. Say power. power. The power of God shows up in a messenger with a message. When God wants to change your life, he sends a messenger. You hear the message. The message then prepares certain areas of your life. It prepares your ears. It prepares your mouth. It prepares your hands and feet. Let me say it again. Touch your ears. Show me your ears. And it prepares your mouth. Prepares your hands and your feet. Check it out. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Once more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing, say this with me, nothing is impossible with God. Mm-hmm. Now look at Mary's response. I want you to see that she heard it. She got it in her ears. She heard it. And I want you to see where the mouth lines up with what she heard. Later, we're going we're to compare her to Zechariah. His mouth doesn't line up with what he hears. Is your mouth lining up with the Word of God? Watch this. Mary responded this. I am the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. That's good enough for me right there. Bam. That's all you've got to tell the Lord. 
God, I'm your servant. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Watch this. It says, Mary, um, everything you have said come true, or may, rather, everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. He left and didn't do anything else. That's kind of nice, isn't it? A little bit later, we're going to see the same angel showing up to Zechariah. He is the high priest. He's one of the ones that works in the temple. Are you with me? His job was to go in, and at the altar of incense, he would go into the altar, and he would prepare a praise representing the people before the Lord. The power of God would come down, would overshadow the altar of incense, and then the priest would go out and speak the Aaronic blessing. Are you with me? Say, may the, may the Lord keep you, bless you, may the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. And all the people waited for the priest to come out. But this time, when he comes out, when he hears from Gabriel, this time when he comes out and speaks the blessing, he can't say anything. How many of you know the church today has gone mute? We are supposed to leave the place of We are supposed to leave the place of worship out into that dark area out there called the world and we're supposed to speak the blessing of the Lord. Amen. But here's the reason why he couldn't do it. You see the Bible says that an angel appeared and this is important. An angel appeared at the right hand side of the altar of incense. How many of you know the right hand side is a place of favor? You with me? Who stands at the right of God right now? That's where you want to be. How many of you know that when Jesus, at the end, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats? How many of you know the sheep are on the right side? Stay on the right side with God. But that's also a place of power. It's a place where God will do it. Not, it's not your strength. It's not trusting in your ability. It's trusting in His. Now the left, on the other side, is a place of cursing. It is a place where people try to do it in their own sweat and strain and stress in their own ability. Where did the angel appear? And he says to Zechariah, oh, this is good. He says, your wife is going to have a child. Now, I want you to get this and don't get all mad at me. I just got to bring this out of the scripture here. His wife's name is Elizabeth. She is old, well advanced in years, probably in her 70s. You understand that there are five different times in the Bible where someone was barren and God came along and gave him a child. We won't go over each of those today, but five is the number of grace. Okay? So she's going to have a child. Zechariah says, how can this be? And then goes, it's not possible. She's old in her age. Well, what about him? Come on, dude. What about you? Well, you're advanced too, aren't you? You know what's interesting? Now, have you ever thought about this? Probably not, because you're not as crazy and goofy as me. But he still, he still goes out and tries to have a baby with her. He wasn't passing that up. Oh, here he goes. There he goes. It's so awkward. Well, the man went out there and did that part, but wouldn't believe God for the rest. Hello? So when he said that, the angel, same angel, Gabriel, who on the right hand of God, right place at the altar of incense, strikes him mute. He can't speak. 
He doesn't speak again, this is important, until his confession, say confession, lines up with what God had said. The next word that comes out of his mouth is the word the angel told him to name his baby boy. Nine months later, the word that comes out of his mouth is John. That's awesome. You say, Pastor, I'd really... John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith? His his name's my name too. Why Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Well, I'll tell you why. His name means the Lord, Yahonan, or Yahanan. Hannah means grace. Yah means God. God is gracious. Zechariah's name means God promises. Elizabeth's name, God remembers. God remembers His promises, and His promises are grace. The whole family in their names tells a story of what John would deliver to this planet. He would prepare the way. And what is expectation? It's proven by preparation. I'm going to ask again. I want full participation. It's not rhetorical. If I got to, I'll come to your aisle. Expectation is proven by? Expectation is proven by? That happens in your ears, and your mouth, and your feet, and in your hands. And we got jazz hands from the back. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. Good job. Awesome. Now, I want to tell you a little bit of how that works. Because we see it in the story of Mary. We see it in the story of Mary and Elizabeth. She goes up, Mary, and spends time with Elizabeth. Where is she? She's in the hill country. Remember last week we talked about that? If you want the promises of God, you've got to go higher than the problem. Amen. Her revelation didn't line up with her circumstance or her situation. So she had to go and be with somebody that was expecting as much or more than her. Elizabeth was expecting too. How many of you know if you're expecting, you need to get around people that are expecting? (sighs) I'm expecting a whole lot more out of this service this morning. Will you expect with me? So she got around Elizabeth, and as soon as she gets in the presence of Elizabeth... Those two baby bellies bump. And what happens next is, what was in Elizabeth jumped for joy. And the Bible says in that chapter, in our text, that as soon as she heard Mary's greeting, are you with me? A messenger came. Here came a message. It entered her ears. As soon as it entered her ears, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. The best thing you could ever do to get ready for a blessing from God is just open up your potato ears. My, my mom used to say, and this is gross, but she used to say, Glenn, clean, clean your ears out. We don't need any potato patches in there. Clean out your ears. As soon as Elizabeth heard what was inside of her, the dream, the blessing that was inside of her was filled with joy. Not before she heard, as soon as she heard. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me ears aren't important. They're so important. They're so important that a guy 
by the name of George Lerner in 1948 invented what's called Mr. Potato Head. You don't care, but I sure do. Originally, it was sold as parts. There was no potato to go with the parts. He had a nephew that he was trying to teach to be ready every day of his life and be in expectation for good things to come. So originally, it would have ears, and it would have hands and feet and a mouth. And it was to go on real potatoes. Little problem. World War II generation didn't want to waste food. So he tried to market this toy that nobody would buy because they didn't want to waste the potato for the kid to play with it. How about that? Now today, I go and like, I'll tell McDonald's, cook me some fresh fries, man. These weren't good enough, right? Back then, it's like, they wouldn't waste a potato just to let the kid play. So he had to sell the parts in cereal boxes. And they would come to you in cereal boxes, and then the parents would let their kids or not play with a potato. And they would stick these little parts on there. And it was his way of teaching his nephew every day be fully present. The greatest way that you can invest yourself into what God has next for you is to be fully present. Fully present. Now I know you love me and I love you and I would never do this to this church. But my last church, (laughs) when people fall asleep, I would let them sleep for a little while, fell asleep. I let them sleep for a little while and then I tell everybody in the church, Hey, you're all going to laugh on the count of three. And then let's see if they wake up and laugh. And sure enough, every time, they'd wake up, snoring away. They'd wake up, oh, and they'd laugh. Then later, somebody would tell them the joke I played on, and they weren't laughing later. Fully present. You got your ears on. Can you hear what... Can you hear... What God has promised you. And do your ears line up with your mouth? Come on, Zacharias. You hear that you're going to have a baby. You're willing to, in the natural, go out and obey, but you're not willing, in the supernatural, to have your confession line up with what God has said. Do you know what God has said? They need to line up. He would also teach his nephew that the hands and the feet were important too that they needed to go on the potato. And that in our life, we have to be ready and prepared enough to move and to do the things now as if what God had promised us was already here. Now that is how faith works. You've got to, you've got to treat your spouse now like they're amazing See, you're waiting for them to be amazing before you do what you need. You've got to treat your pastor now like he's really good. Or he never will be. See, it's all on you. It's not, it's not my fault. Frida, why are you clapping? <laughs> okay. 
You've got to treat your kids now. You've got to give them the sense of what you see and believe that God has provided for them now so that they'll be prepared later to live their life into the picture that you have for them. You've heard of this. It's called the Pygmalion effect. Teachers did this. Teachers went into their classrooms, classrooms where students were failing at their exams and started speaking to the students in a way that they had all passed. And the test scores changed by almost 80%. It was just speaking to the king, not a fool. Speaking to the queen, not a dummy. And beginning to treat them as if they were passing. And then they did. And we look at that and we say, that's magic. It's not magic, it's faith. I told you all about six months ago that God on Wednesday nights at this church was going to bring us a lot of kids. I told you, get ready. I told you we had to make some changes now. You were all like, okay, well, we'll see, Pastor. It's on you. One question. Are you okay? Okay. (laughs) Jason, was that you? Did you just fall over? Oh, yes, you did. Okay, great. Well, we can afford new chairs. (laughs) You just never know what's going to happen in a Pentecostal church, man. Oh, I don't know. Back then, just six months ago, back then, we had like eight or nine kids coming on Wednesday night. There were 54 last Wednesday night in Children's Church alone. Almost 20 in youth. We're going to break 100 this year, probably. But you have to do now. You have to do church. You have to do ministry in a way that lines up with what God has said is coming. You can't wait for it to come and then change. It's too late. It'll never come. You've got to do it now. You've got to do it right now. You've got to be fully present. Hear what the Word of the Lord is saying to your life, to your marriage, to your family, to your health, to your finances. And then line up your mouth with the communication of what you hear. And then your feet and then your hands have to be ready to line up as well. And do now as if it was already here. I've got this little beta fish in my kitchen. My wife, she said the other day, she said, honey, I miss the kids. And little Chloe isn't enough. Let me, I'm here to tell you, Chloe, not enough. <laughs> Chloe is one of the dumbest dogs I've ever had in my entire life. Yes, she is. Don't you feel sorry for Chloe? No, she's sweet. She's just, ugh. Ugh, She's Chloe, yeah. So my wife was like, I want a little fish. Now, what do you think I did? I got a little fish. I went out and got this fish with her. She says, let's get a beta. I was like, okay, alpha, beta, whatever. So we, we get this fish, we bring it home, put it in the tank, and it's a, it's a beta fish, it's a male. And automatically, the next morning, I wake up, and there's all kinds of bubbles in one end of the tank. So I walk in with a big spoon and pull all those bubbles out of there. Because I'm thinking I'm helping. His name's Douglas, by the way. So I think Douglas is my middle name. So, so Chloe's middle name isn't Douglas. So, so I'm helping this fish out. I'm pulling the bubbles 
out of this tank. And uh, this happens again the next day. And I'm thinking, man, what kind of, did we get a, what kind of a goober fish did we get? I'm ready to go back to Walmart. I come in on a Wednesday night, and I was talking to some people from church, and I think it was Jennifer and Jason, and they're like, so what's Douglas up to? Oh, man, he's blowing bubbles like crazy. I can take him out every day. Don't do that. I'm like, well, why? Well, that, he's making his home. He's expecting a female to come, and that's how he has babies. And you're taking it. <laughs> now, that's sunk deep into my heart. That got into my spirit because I understand this. When a man needs a woman. So we went, I was, I was destroying his chances every day. He's like, where'd my home go? There's never going to be a woman in this tank because there's that guy. He's coming again with that spoon. And then. And I'll never have any babies. Oh, he was preparing. He was doing what he's supposed to do. I didn't, you know, I was messing it up. I didn't know he was preparing for a lady in his life. He, 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 he was wanting a, a female beta to be in a... T- Hello, mama. You know? Do what? Leave it alone? Okay, she said stop. Because I, I got a lot of more. But I was taking that away from him every single day. He was preparing. He was showing the proof of expectation. He was showing the proof. You want God to do something, but you're not prepared for it. Everybody that got healed in the Bible was put in a position. Found them. The woman with an issue of blood pushed her way through a crowd while having this issue of blood, whether it was lawful or not for her, and found Jesus and touched him. She did everything she could to position herself but with preparation to receive the promise. Amen. And she got it. Every person that got healed in the Bible. How about the men that were blind? They knew the master was coming by. The Bible says the, the people around him tried to shut him up. And the Bible says they cried out all the louder. Because they knew that if they could put themselves in the way of God's promise, God's word, that they would be prepared and they could expect then to receive what God said they could have. And they received their sight. And here's the problem. We want to sit on the shore. And we want it to come to us. And God says, listen, I want to see faith. If there's one thing that moves me, it's faith. If there's one thing that hurts me, it's doubt. Position yourself. Get your feet in a place where it can line up with what the word of the Lord has said. Feet are important. James said this, faith without works is dead being alone. So that means, by definition, you can have dead faith. You have living faith. Living faith puts feet on your prayers. If you're praying for something, walk in the direction towards it. Arnold Schwarzenegger said this when he became the governor. They asked this guy, oh you, oh, you know it, brother. He said this. They said, how did you come from Austria? You didn't even know the English language. Become Mr. Universe, then become the governor of the state of California. Well, that part was probably easy. But the rest of it, 
How did you do it? He said, I've seen a picture of where I wanted to be, and I began living each moment and each day of my life into that picture as though it is right now. Can you see a picture of where you want your children to be? Do you see a picture of where you want your church to be? I do. God promised me over 300. So let's get ready. So let's get ready. Do you see a picture of where you want your health to be? Begin living your life every day into that picture. Put feet on your prayers. This is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. That's not hard, by the way. Every time you walk somewhere, you're doing that. You can't see where it is you're walking. Duh. Think about it. You're not really thinking about it, are you? Say duh. Duh. Every time you walk somewhere, you don't see where it is you're walking, the destination. You just, by faith, put one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. It's not a leap, and I told you that last week. The only time we see a leap in the Bible is when the the devil comes to Jesus and says, why don't you just leap yourself or throw yourself off of this and you you can have the whole world. And you know what? The angels will come and they'll show the power that they have to protect you. And, and, and Jesus has said, no way. It is written, it is written, it is written. You don't need to leap it. You just got to put one foot in front of the other. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Do one little thing at a time and watch how it adds up over time into great things that God will do. Right? Okay. But it's not all a bowl of cherries. Because expectation sometimes leads us to places where our lives don't exactly line up in what we say. We're doing it, but we're not speaking it correctly. Let, let, me, let me just put it to you this way. By little men, chapter 1, verse 6, says the communication of your faith. Your faith has to be communicated. May become Effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So you can have dead faith and you can have ineffective faith. Ineffective faith is simply this. What's coming out of your mouth is not every good thing. What's coming out of your mouth is not every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What's coming out of your mouth needs to be every good thing. That's what makes your faith effective. So what happens here is remarkable. After Elizabeth says to Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And as soon as I heard your greeting, the dream and what was birthing and what I was expecting in me jumped and leaped for joy. I was filled with the Spirit. And now let me tell you, you're carrying the Son of God. And Mary, watch this, her communication was the same. The next thing we see Mary doing In Luke chapter 1, verse 47, we see Mary's song. And she calls Jesus in this song, her baby in this song, my Savior. My Savior. Do you see? She communicated with her mouth what millions of Jewish women had hoped for Thousands of years they had waited 
for the promise of the Messiah to arrive. It was now here. About 1600, actually. And it was now here. And how, what does she call him? My Savior. Do you see what faith? What glorious faith? Who she would soon deliver, would soon deliver her. And she did that by faith that came through these pretty little guppy lips. Said what God had said. And she gave birth to the Savior of the world. Every blessing of God works the same way. Every promise of God shows up not with a stork. You'll carry it. You'll conceive it. You'll have to prepare for it. I'll never forget the first time my wife came to me and said, you're going to be a father. After I picked myself up off the floor from passing out, it wasn't two, three days later. What did I do? I'm painting. Come on. I'm preparing. And then later on, you have what's called a baby shower. And you get the house child-proofed. Right? Because you're expecting. And what else do you do? You get, a ba- you get a car seat. Come on. And there's all kinds of car seats now. Back in the day. Now, back when I was a baby, they didn't have any of that. They just stuck you in the back of the grocery getter where there were big, long windows, and you just rode it out, man. You just toughed it out. You remember those days? We didn't have helmets or any of this other stuff. Participation award. We didn't have any of that. I'm, I'm glad I'm still alive. I don't know how I made it this far. Grace of God. But you prepare every environment. Every environment must be ordered by expectation and preparation for what you're believing and trusting God for. Don't tell me you want God to heal you of diabetes and you've got zingers and Twinkies in your cabinets. Give them to me. We'll get you healed. You have to order every environment for the birth of your blessing. And once you do that, you're prepared. And that is the proof of expectation. The problem is, when we expect and we deliver, the blessing shows up corporately, not just individually. And that takes some maturity. So let me take you to the end of the message. John grows up. Jesus grows up. The Bible says, in speaking of of the prophet Isaiah, that John is a voice crying in the wilderness. John said, I am to prepare the way for Jesus. You, You have so much in common with John. You are messengers of grace. You have so much, in, you, you are the ones, I am the one, we prepare the way. We are heralds of the kerygma. This is the story or the gospel of the kingdom. The king is coming. The king is coming. Prepare the way. The king is coming. And this is what John did. But at the end of John's ministry, he was placed in prison for two years. 
You know this. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. And these disciples are sent with a question. Are you the one? Or is there another? Now I want you to see, John at the beginning of his ministry says a couple of things by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with fire, but he also says he's got a winnowing fork in his hand. We don't know what that is today, but that's how you separate the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff is going to blow away. This was One was a promise of blessing and power, but the other one was a promise of judgment. And John being in prison, being the one that delivers through his ministry, Jesus to the world, John says, I get the baptism by fire, but where's the winnowing fork? I thought this was, this expectation was about me. And I'm in prison right now. I've been here for two years because I faced the political people of my day and I called out their sin. And now my head's going to be offered because of it. Does John doubt? I don't know. But can I give you another thought? When he says, should we expect, look at that word, expect. (laughs) Should we expect another? Maybe you came for the first part, Jesus. But should I expect another for the second part? And I would say yes today and amen. Because he has come the first time. Come on, church. And in the first advent, when he came, he brought the Spirit of God and he brought grace. But he will come a second time. And should you expect him again? Yes. And there will be a winnowing fork. But it wasn't for John at the time. You see, John had to see the layers of his expectation peeled away there were parts of him that were stripped there were parts of him that were peeled off and before long these parts that were peeled off left him feeling sore left him feeling like God had done and walked away from him left him feeling like he was abandoned when he wasn't Maybe you're like me, and at one point in your life, you got the crazy idea that you'd join a church. (laughs) And after about being in that church for about three months, your expectations start to get peeled away. And if you're new to this church, stick around. You'll see. (laughs) Stick around. Maybe there was a time in your life when you decided you, you got the crazy idea you'd get married. Oh, do I ever pray for you. And these expectations that you had on marriage just got peeled away, just got stripped away. Now, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, you're sore, you're stripped, you're peeled. Say peeled. And unfortunately, it doesn't stop there because if you know anything about making mashed potatoes, two spuds begin, one leaves. It's not just a peeling, it's a cutting. And then later, it's a boiling. 
And then later, especially in your marriage, it's a mashing. And you start out with an engagement ring. Then comes the suffer ring. Don't buy the blue light special on life. No one's going to cheapen it in here. The truth of the matter is, you'll be stripped. You'll be cut. You'll be boiled. You'll be mashed. But at the end of the mashing, butter. (laughs) Gravy! That's when it gets to be gravy. And you say, I don't want to wait for that. I don't want to wait for the stripping. I don't want to wait for the cutting. I don't want to wait for the mashing and the boiling. I want my butter now. I want my gravy now. That's what the whole world is saying. The whole world lives that way. The whole world wants to be disobedient. It wants to hold on to their life. And Jesus said, if you're following me, it's a cross. You're going to give up your life. But don't ever forget about the butter and the gravy. See, I'm in the gravy season of my marriage. It's awesome. Aren't we in gravy? Are you, would you agree? You're, you're the boss. You would have to tell me if you... Okay. Because if she said, no, we're not, then, you know, everybody would be like, she's right, you're wrong. Right? Wasn't like that at the first, was it? We would, we would get upset and fight over our individual expectations of everything. Like how the floor was vacuumed. If I left the toilet seat up. Why do you keep leaving the cap off the toothpaste? Is there something wrong with your arms? Can't you take the garbage out ever? Don't you know? (laughs) Don't you know how to do these things? And I felt stripped. And then I would strip back. And then these babies came. Total, listen, listen, control is an illusion. Just have kids. You will be destroyed. Every expectation you, (laughs) every expectation you had in your home and in your life, the expectations you had for your living room, the expectations you had for everything are gone, baby. Jesus says, go tell John. Go tell John what? The lame walk. The blind see. The deaf hear. Go tell him that. You didn't expect a corporate answer. But everyone's getting blessed, John. Everyone. Even the little kids over at Melrose and Jennifer Lane. The 20 houses that we're going to reach as a church by Christmas. Those kids are going to walk spiritually. They're going to hear the message of God, the love of God. They're going to know that the Savior loves them. And how will they know? Because we got ears and we got a mouth and we got feet. 